Well, good morning, everybody. I know I usually make you say that two or three times until you kind of get some mojo going, so let's try that again. Good morning. We're super glad you're here. You know, there's a reason why we gather on Sunday. I, I always like the phrase, we, we gather to scatter. That is the role of the church. We gather here to be fueled and inspired. That's why we come together here. It's why we come together in life groups. why we get together during a week. We gather to be fueled and inspired. Why? Because we scatter. We scatter in about an hour. We head out of here and we scatter. But we do not stop being the church. We scatter to be the church everywhere we go. So we're here to be fueled and inspired. So you go running out of here and you impact the world. Amen? And so I'm hoping today that this message really helps you do that. I hope this really fires us up like we do. That's why we have to come here to be fueled and inspired. But before I jump into this, let me introduce myself. My name is Brian. If you're a guest with us today, this worship guide that Lene, our worship leader, described, it's, it's kind of the everything that's going on here, but there's also, we're going to go into God's Word, the Bible, together. There's a little outline here on the back that you can follow and fill in the blank. But for our guests, if you're looking for a church home or even if you're visiting, we love it when you fill out this connection that card because there's so much that happens in this body of Christ that you don't see on Sunday. So we would love to reach out to you to help you navigate if you're looking for a church home or a place. We would love that. And what I love the most is we get these connect cards every week. You know what we get most on them? Your prayer requests. Your praise requests. And we go to town on them all week long. So everybody, fill one out today. And I'll guarantee you we're holding them up starting right away, Monday through Friday. And it makes us aware that things are important to you, so feel free to fill those out. To our guests, that Connect card can go out to our Welcome Center. You can drop them off in these boxes, but we're super glad you're here. Before I jump into this last sermon in this series, we do have two special guests that I'd like to bring up and invite up. Uh, Michelle and Nicole Haupt, our missionaries sent from our church to Tanzania. They are home for just a very short period of time working through visa issues. Would you give them a round of warm welcome back home? And I've asked them just to kind of catch us up a little bit. Whenever we have folks here, it's like catch us up real quick on what's going on. And I'm going to shut up and stand over here. Thanks, Brian. Good morning, Westview family. Um, it is great to be here with you this morning. For those who we don't know, um, my name is Michelle Haupt, and my sister, Nicole, and I serve in Tanzania in East Africa with Wycliffe Bible Translators as an extension of Westview. We started attending Westview, Nicole and I did, when we worked for K-State a lot of years ago, about 1998, um, but about seven years ago, we went to work with Wycliffe, and we are thankful for Westview's partnership with us. We are only back for a short time. We're back um, until later this summer, um, probably midsummer, depending on various factors, but we just are thankful to worship with you today. We're thankful to be here, and I'll let Nicole say a little bit about what's ahead. So, like Michelle said, we're, we're here for, for a couple of months. We're doing what we can online. Our jobs with Wycliffe are scripture engagement. So we do whatever we can to get the word out, whether it's scripture apps or online or just in different ways. So we are here after service. If you have any questions, we'll be in the back. Um, and we have prayer cards. We would love to have you praying for us. And actually, over the next two weeks, if you could be praying for the Rongi. They are one of the groups that we work with, one of the language groups, and they are in the final process of finishing their New Testament, but they have had a lot of challenges. And so, actually, the next two weeks, the translator and the consultant are meeting online together, 
and they're hoping to work through a lot of the final things that need to be done. So if you could be praying for the Rongi New Testament and, and that they would stay well and all of the details that need to happen, um, the internet would work well. But we just, we're thankful so much to be able to be here and thank you for your prayers. And yeah, we just thank you. Thank God for, for all of you. And so can we, can we do that now? Can we pray for them now? And just, would you bow your heads? And just, I would ask you to stick your hand out towards them like we're holding them up. They're so precious to us. Heavenly Father, Lord, we hold these two up to you and just uh, as they work things out to get back, uh, Father, we, we still pray for long-term visa issues or clarity or, or that road, but they're so faithful. And Father, we do. We hold up the wrongy. What we're talking about here is people will get the word of God for the first time. What we're so privileged to read so easily and engage here they are in the midst of the work and because they're there we're there and people are hearing the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ through all of us and father it is your work through us but what willing vessels these two are father I ask that you smooth out their paths not too much because we know part of ministry is it's tough but father I ask that you smooth out the ability for them to engage the culture and work in the culture and stay engaged and quit having disruptions and the things as we go and bring the good news all around the world and you do that through us so, Father, this church holds them up. We ask a blessing on their time home and their safe travel back. We pray all in mighty Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So make sure you engage with them um, before they leave. Get their newsletter. It is hard to keep you all updated with everything that goes on in all of our ministries and our missionaries. But if you're connected with them in their newsletters, and just grab Nicole and Michelle afterwards, pray on them, uh, love on them. They are us. Um, and we have several people, but the only way to really stay engaged really close is being involved in our newsletters and things so you can see all the things that God is doing through us. Okay, hey, um, before I jump in, I had one more thing I think that's important on here. There's a lot that goes on in May. I don't hate May, but boy, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in May. It's just a, so this, this budget nominee review, can I go over that real quick with you? Because this is really important. On May 9th, we have our local church conference. That's a fancy phrase for our annual meeting as a church. And I will tell you, on a local church conference, we normally get 50 to 100 people here, yet there should be 400 people here. And, and so it's a really important time that you get to see what God has done through our church in the last year. It's kind of a recap, but it's also really exciting to see what he's going to do as we get to communicate to you what he's doing next. Part of this process is there is a little business aspect to it because you give. We give as a body. You don't give to the church. We are the church. But we give to each other and we decide on how to steward every resource, your time, your money, everything that we do because that's how the kingdom moves. And so the budget review and start is a big part of that. But I want to tell you a teaser. It's not boring. There's three new things in here where we're advancing. Not only do we have seven missionaries, we're looking at adding. It's all the ministries and everything we do, but we're adding three big things to the mission of this church that I'm not going to tell you what they are. I'm going to say come to the budget meeting because it's really cool to see how we're investing kingdom dollars to move um, the gospel all around the world. So come to this meeting. Put it on your calendar May 9th, 6.30. Come join us. See the life. It's a celebration service too. We celebrate. There's a little bit of business but we'd love to have you there. Okay. And those online, all this is connected out there on Facebook Live uh, or on our website. So you can link to all that too. Man, I feel like I've already preached a sermon. Let's just go home. Amen? <laughs> I love it when there's all this cool stuff going on. So we are, uh, we're on a journey, and this is the last Sunday in this sermon series called Another. 
And so we've been here, this is our seventh week, because seven's a great number. That's a good thing to finish at. But we're finishing a series about another. And there's a core scripture all the way through, Matthew 28, 20. Jesus' words right before he ascended into heaven. And he said this. He said, be sure of this. I'm with you always. Be sure of this. I'm with you always. And so for seven weeks, we've been answering the question, is he really with us always? Do we really believe that? We've been going all over God's word from start to finish to show he is always with us. And so we're going to finish this up this week, but let me recap a little bit. How can we be sure we started in week one? We said there is another at creation, and it's Jesus. He, God created everything through him. He, he created us. Jesus is our creator. So he's there away at the start of the Bible. He always has existed. And so we had the next week, we said there's another in the fire. We looked in the Old Testament, a story of when we go through fires, Jesus is right in the fire with us. And, and we said in this amazing story that he doesn't deliver us from the fire, he delivers us in the fire. And the third week, we talked about there's another on the water. When our faith kind of struggles and we're being fearful, he calls us out of the boat and he emboldens our faith. He's there on the water with us as we shared the story of him and Peter and how he emboldens our faith. And then we kept going. Then we said there's another on the cross. On Good Friday, we talked about he's on the cross for us, paying a price that we could not pay for the penalty of our sin. And then on Easter Sunday, we shared there's another who rolls back the stone. And we talked about the stone rolling back and Jesus uh, resurrecting and coming alive and that he will roll back our stone one day. And what was interesting in all those, they were events. They were events. Creation, fire, water, cross. They were all events. Then Pastor Dylan took us into a different mode last week where he said there's another on the road. And he showed where Jesus is with us all the time. Instead of just an event, he's there all the time. He keeps pace with us, even when we don't do a good job of keeping pace with him. And he showed us how he's there all the time, revealing himself as we grow and to know him. And so Dylan set me up well to finish today. And another, another to share with you of how he's always with us. And this is important because it shows how he's with us today and how he's going to be with us till the end of the age in a very special way. Before I jump into that, I think it's important that I flash back to Easter Sunday when I had your children up here and I put a live mic in their hands and you were shrinking down as parents, like, what are they going to say? And we asked them this question. We asked these little ones, what is sin? And didn't they do a good job? They did. You're doing a good job. They answered. You know, it's like when I disappoint my mom and dad. We had really young ones in the first service and a little bit older ones, and they had these amazing answers. And so I know a lot of our kids went to worship and stuff, but kids, I want to like flip the script now and actually give the mic to your parents. Let's embarrass them. How about that? And ask this question. What is the impact of our sin? And I want you to answer that for me. Have you thought about this? We, we talked about with the kids, what is sin? Let's talk about this. What is the impact of sin? And those are online. Feel free, right on Facebook Live. Throw out your ideas. I want to hear from you. What is the impact of our sin. Separation. separation. That was the very first word in first service today too. Separation. Separate not only us from God, but us from others. Death. death. Spiritual, physical death is the impact of sin. What else? Those are good. Shame. Shame. Shame and what's the other one? Guilt. guilt. Yeah. Shame and guilt are really big impacts of sin. Any others? Fear. 
Fear. And what fear of? There's a lot of fear. Fear of being caught. Fear of the unknown. Fear of consequence, right? Yeah. Those are great. Those are great. Let's look at our first sermon out here together. Sin never loses its seriousness. This is important. I know, like a downer start, right? Sin never loses its seriousness. Sin still today. The result of sin is still death unless we have somebody mediate. The result of sin, it still separates us. Like you said, it still isolates. That's what shame and guilt do. They move us away from community and move us away from others. Sin still makes us slaves to sin. Sin still grieves the Holy Spirit. It still grieves the Son. And it still grieves the Father. It hurts. God, I got this reminder note from somebody in first service. One of my favorite statements. God doesn't hate sin because he made a rule. He hates sin because what it does, those he loves. And those he created. That's why he hates sin. It still grieves him. It's still selfish. It's any time that I think I'm smarter than God or I want to be God. Sin still reflects um, that no more than God, it still has consequences and ultimately sin, sin still brings judgment and wrath. Sin never loses its seriousness. So I want you to imagine with me, this is kind of a weird imagination thing, but I, Imagine right now that your life stops right now and you stand before God. In just a few seconds, your life stops and now I'm standing in front of God. And I'm standing in front of God representing myself and my whole life. How are you feeling? I think in our hearts we really want to say, I'm standing in front of God. But also we're thinking, I'm standing in front of God. And I think that one of the first things that comes to mind, if all of a sudden, and I wasn't warned, and I'm standing in front of God, is the first thing that's going to come to mind is what? My sin and my guilt and my... We're going to get to that word. I want to take some of the pressure off because I know somebody who can help. Let's take a look at Hebrews 7, 25 together. The scripture reads, Therefore he, it's referring to Jesus, is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. There is a lot here. Jesus, it says, is able. This is talking about current, this is a current place where Jesus is. He is able, he's alive, he's forever. He's always there. He's active. He's not idle. Some, some of us believe when Jesus rose and ascended after talking to his disciples and, and proving he was alive and resurrected, he ascended, he's just kind of hanging out. No, 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 he's active. He's not idle. What's he doing? Right now at this moment, he is interceding between God and us to save us. Right now, 
at this very moment, Jesus is active interceding between God and us. Now we're saying, well, hold on a second. When I believed I was saved, you are absolutely right. And if you didn't sin today, you'd probably be okay. <laughs> but not only did he save us, he's saving us right now because he intercedes. And he will fully save us one day. Saved, saving, fully saved. He's active. Here's our next sermon note. Jesus is our perfect defense attorney. He is, <laughs> amen, he's, he's our perfect defense attorney. When we talked about that, that flash of a moment, I'm standing in front of God, and I think most of us went to the fact of, I know I'm probably nervous, anxious, fearful to stand in front of God because I know I messed up along the way. Sin is still serious business. But Jesus intervenes every second of the day. He intervenes for us every hour of the day, every day ahead of us, every century, every millennium, however long it takes, today and forever, he never stops. I was looking for an analogy, something to share with us that helps us see this. What does it mean to say Jesus is interceding every day? And I come across this story from a fourth century pastor, a fourth century father of the church, who said, let me share a story with you about what it's like to have Jesus interceding every day. He says, in his story, a son and his mom are living, and they get news that his dad, his father, is coming home. He has been gone a long time. And the son is very excited. It's like, dad's coming home. Dad's coming home. So he goes up to mom. He says, mom, what can we do? What can we do? So when dad walks to the door, we really celebrate him. And his mom, you know, he didn't have a lot of money or anything. His mom says, you know what? She says, I bet he would love to see a bouquet of flowers right there when he walks through the door. And so the son's like, great idea. And he runs out of the house and he goes to their garden and he picks out flowers to make this arrangement because his dad's coming home soon. So he runs out and he picks everything he can pick in this space and he comes up with a bouquet and he runs back in and there's everything there. There's all these beautiful flowers um, but there's also he picked everything else. There's all these dead weeds and everything else he found uh, in the garden. And he brought him in. He's so proud. And his dad comes home a short while later and the bouquet is there for him, and he picks it up, and it's perfect. Why? Because his mom had interceded and removed every weed before he got home. We are like this bouquet of flowers. Psalm 139 says, You and I are wonderfully and beautifully made. Oh, how well I know God's workmanship. And we are. We are this. But we also know we got a lot of dead things and stickers and <laughs> weeds in our life, don't we? And, and when, when we're presented as this bouquet to the Father, Jesus intercedes and he pulls out every dead thing. 
and every weed in our lives. And so when he presents us to the Father and intercedes, we look beautiful. That's a great story. God sees us as righteous, as right. I like the word, he sees us perfectly through the eyes of Jesus because of what he's removed and how he intercedes every day and keeps pulling those weeds out every day. One thing when I, when I looked at that, that worship note, or I'm sorry, that sermon note, Jesus is our perfect defense attorney. Well, what makes him perfect? And I run into this. The scriptures I want to share with you, each one are from different books in the New Testament that each come and show us who, what Jesus is doing right now. Each one from a different author, they're all going to sound kind of alike, but there's a nuance, there's a difference in each one. But all these authors tell them the Christian church the same thing. So let's go here to 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. We read this. There he is interceding again. There's only one who can remove the weeds. There's only one who can remove the stains, the damage, and the power of our sin. His name is Jesus. And he's perfect. He's perfect because he gave his life to buy our freedom. He gave his perfect, sinless life to buy your freedom and my freedom from sin. We celebrated this on Good Friday just a couple weeks ago, the price he paid, the perfect sacrifice, which makes him the perfect defense attorney. And the thing is, that sacrifice counted for all time. There was no other sacrifice needed. Jesus said, it is finished. He said, it is literally finished. It doesn't take another sacrifice. He is the perfect man and he is the perfect God. I think this is a theological statement that's kind of fun. Is Jesus is still fully man and he's still fully God. And that's why here in, in 1 Timothy 2, 5, he says the man Christ Jesus. He still has a human perfect body. He still has the perfect spiritual divine self. They are still together. He proved that. When he showed up to his disciples after he resurrected, he says, touch me, feel me. I eat and fish with them. He's still man, fully man, and he's still fully God. And that's why we say that is important for us, this, the man, Jesus Christ, is no other man can intercede for you and I. You may come out of a tradition like I did where we pray to saints or other men and women to intercede there's only one who can intercede for you and I that paid the price. There's only one who's perfect who paid the price. We may come out of a tradition for those of us where we pray to ancestors to intercede for us, but none of them are perfect and none of them can remove the stain or the penalty of our sin. Only Jesus can. That's why the scripture verse says there is only one mediator. There is only one who can intercede. 
And we get excited about this. Like Jesus is our perfect defense attorney. He's so good that I don't mind sinning so much anymore. And it's like it isn't that big of a deal. But I think we already answered that question. Sin is still serious business. And I think that helped this author, John, write this letter to the church about Jesus as our intercessor. 1 John 2.1 My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. It's still a big deal. It's still serious business. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but if you put that in the context of today, the sins of 8 billion more people. The sins of the whole world. Sin is still a serious business. So John says, hey, I'm writing this to encourage you not to sin. But if you do remember, he's there interceding, but he uses a word that we haven't seen yet that we will see a couple more times. And that word is, he pleads. Jesus pleads to the Father for us. He pleads our case Every minute, every hour, every day, every year, Jesus intercedes by pleading our case. Was he pleading for? Look at your third sermon note. Every day he pleads for forgiveness. Our sin still does damage. Every day he pleads for forgiveness. Now, that word pleads, I think, has a different feel in our culture than maybe what it did when they originally wrote this. When we look at that word plead, we may look at it this way, and it's really wrong. That Jesus is there holding back a really wrathful God because of what I did wrong. He's like pushing back, saying, it's okay, I'm pleading. Don't zap him. Don't take him out. And I think that's a wrong impression that Jesus is holding back a wrathful and angry God. I think that's wrong because Jesus and the Father are one. I love John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world, he sent him. How Jesus pleads is I think there's an urgency to pleading because every day we have this struggle. And so he pleads in every case. But to plead is to present and represent us. He stands in front of the Father when I sin today and he pleads. He says, this is what he pleads. I already paid the penalty for that. I've already erased it. I fulfilled the sacrifice. Jesus and the Father are one. And because of what Jesus does, wrath and judgment look much different. And we don't have to endure that. And our judgment is good. And God honors Jesus because of his sacrifice. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, every time Jesus pleads, God forgives. 
Now let's jump to another author who's writing to the church in Rome in Romans 8.34. Who then will condemn us? What's the answer? No one. That's important. Who then, if Jesus is doing all this and pleading our case, who's left? Who's left? Who can condemn us? What's the answer? No one. No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. Look what he's doing again, pleading for us. So this scripture helps us see where Jesus is. He is at the throne of the Father. He is at his right, plan, uh, right, right hand, a place of honor, all power, all authority has been given to Jesus with our lives. The one who holds our soul and life in his hands is pleading for us. And God will never doubt or contradict him. And that's our fourth sermon note. Kind of picks up on the series. There is another at the throne. And this is important for us. Every day to know there is somebody at the throne for me. The word intercede, it comes from a Latin word. Inter means between, seed means go. Jesus is a go-between. He is a go-between us and the Father. But I want to let you know that there is somebody else at the throne. And you and I know his voice. His name means accuser. And he stands at the throne every day saying, you know, I know you love them, and I know Jesus is what you did for them, but did you see what they did today? Did you see what they did today? There's another voice at the throne. But those accusations fall on deaf ears because Jesus, because God sees us through Jesus' eyes. Those accusations go nowhere. Because God sees us through what Jesus did. Satan says, look what they did. Jesus says, look what I did. And that takes care of it. And I think that's at the heart of this. And what's interesting is, we've been the whole time, you might be a little confused on this. You might be saying, well, you, Brian, I know he's at the throne. I get it. But you said he's always with us, but he's up there. The answer is yes. Jesus has all the same characteristics of God, his omniscience, his, his ability to see everything, know everything, and be everywhere. Not only is he at the throne, but he is right by our side still. Jesus' role as a go-between is to take the hand of us, created humanity who God loves, and connect that hand with the hand of God. That's what a go-between does. And he brings those two hands together. We call that reconciliation. I'm made right. 
Jesus isn't sitting at the throne saying, I got you. I'm okay. You're good. He's actually grabbing our hand. The presence of Christ is in us because of the Holy Spirit. He's connecting us with God's hand and he's bringing them together. We're made right. We're made children. We're made part of the family. He connects. And I love it when you read the scripture and it says, now because of that, when, when, when Jesus does that, God sees us as righteous. And like I said, I love the word perfect. I'm not perfect, but God sees me as perfect through him. Amen. He sees me like that, without the weeds. Amen. Our hope through this whole seven weeks from seeing Jesus in creation all the way to how he's moving today so overwhelms us that he is always there. Be sure of this. Our hope is we all go out the door and we're sure of this. It's overwhelming the evidence. And when Jesus said be sure of this, he meant all of this. What is all of this? Let me wrap up with 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. And all of this is a gift from God. Everything we've talked about, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, everything is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. What? <laughs> like, hold on a second. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. What? So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through you and me. We speak for Christ when we, what's the word? Plead. <laughs> when we plead, come back to God. All of this, the scripture, all of this is a gift from God to you and I, the death, the life, the resurrection of Jesus. It's a beautiful message. It's a beautiful bouquet of flowers with all the weeds removed. The beautiful message, what is this beautiful message? This is a beautiful message. It's so simple. It's God no longer counts your sin against you. Confess it. Turn from it. Turn towards him. Let Jesus grab your hand and let him grab God's hand and connect you two together because he paid that penalty. Let Jesus reconcile, connect us, make us right, not just for now, but for eternity. You know what that message is called? The good news. That message is in you and me. That message is now in each of us. We are ambassadors. Does that scare you to death? Some days, me, yeah. Other days, it's a blast. I love being a messenger of the good news.
We have a mission of interceding. That is the church's role. We do everything, everything that we gather, inspire, and fuel is to scatter and share this message of reconciliation. It is the ultimate purpose and why we exist, is to share this message of reconciliation with everybody else who's so lost and so hurting, looking for hope. The mission of interceding, what Jesus does every day, has been given to us to connect people to him. We gather to fuel and inspire. We scatter to share this beautiful message so people look like that. Your last sermon note. Let it ring and rock our roof. The church pleads for others. We plead for others. We have the task of pleading for others. Come back. Come back. Be free. Have hope. Have joy. I am one of the most blessed people on earth because every week I get to hear your stories and things that you share with me about how you are sharing this message of reconciliation with others. And I think about the hundreds of emails I go through each week and other ways of communicating. But I think of emails. Every once in a while, I hear this really good news. And I, and I think, well, let's go share that. And I, and I follow up with somebody. I said, yeah, I shared this with you. And they said, no, you didn't. You didn't send it. I didn't see that message. I go back and look in my outbox and what? It's there. I didn't hit send. I didn't hit send. It scares me to death that we can leave here today and never hit send. We have such a beautiful message inside of us. But we got to hit send. We have gathered, we have fueled, we have inspired, so now let's scatter. We'll never stop being a church. Who do you know that needs this beautiful message today? Be bold. That's the first two words of our vision. Hit send. We should add that. Be bold, hit send. (laughs) Love loud, engage deeply. As God sent Jesus... And as Jesus sent the Spirit, so now we send you. Go speak life to others. That's actually a teaser. Next week we start a new series called Speak Life. We talk about how do we do this? How do we speak life? It's a great way to start Mother's Day, bring everybody to Mother's Day, but go out and speak life to them now. Amen? Our offering is a big one today. Let's bow our heads and let's give our best that we have. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that you sent your son. And your son sent the spirit. And now the spirit sends us. Heavenly Father, make sure we hit send starting today. We hit send. Jesus, thank you that you're at the right hand of the Father, but you're right at my side. And you're connecting me every day. Thank you for everything that you've given to us that we can have hope and joy. But Jesus, because of you, God sees me like this bouquet of flowers. I can't get over that. 
And I want other people to look like this bouquet of flowers too. Father, rise up your church. Be bold. Love loud. Engage deeply. Hit send. Let's all hit send today. Father, trust you. It's a tough world out there, but let us not hide in here. This is not church. Let us scatter well, and let us take this message of reconciliation to others. Why? It may be tough. Yeah. Is it beautiful? Yeah. And Father, jack us up when we see people come to life. We lift this all up to you, but through the name of the one who has all power and authority. And Jesus, we pray this all in your name. And one more time, people, let's say it together. Amen. Amen.